0: The Soccer Gambling Podcast is brought to you by Circus Sports. Circus Sports is back with their Circa Survivor and Circa Millions contests. $14 million up for grabs. Get all of the details at circasports.com. That's C-I-R-C-A sports.com. Do you think Eric Ten Hag was impressed with the evolution of Manchester United last season?
1: I think the remit at the beginning of the season for Eric Ten Hag from the club and I'm sure from himself he'd have put pressure on himself to get into the Champions League which was achieved um, and maybe if you can get your hands on a trophy which he achieved. Deep down I think he'd have been very satisfied with the start of his his tenure at Man United but there's always stuff to improve on. He's a perfectionist. He's been someone who's won before in his previous club so... There'd have been things that he wouldn't have been happy with, that he'd want to change, which is understandable. But I would say if you look at the the temperature around the club from the football pitch perspective, there's definitely been an uplift since he's been here.
0: Who would be your dream centre-forward signing for United?
1: I think that's been well documented, the centre-forward needing to be at the club because the the number nine we had at the club last season didn't score a goal. They course. So I would say 100% a striker. Harry Kane would be my guy. Osman would be a great option as well. Don't get me wrong. But I just, I just think that if you, if you, if I'm Eric Ten Hag, I'm talking. If I'm Eric Ten Hag, I'd go for Kane because Harry Kane is immediate goals. There's no bedding in period or mm, Willie he, won't he? He scores goals in the Premier League. Knows the Premier League inside out. There's no acclimatization issues. That's what May United need right now. That's what Eric Ten Hag needs.
0: Is it time for Harry Maguire to move on from Manchester United?
1: Erik Ten Hag has a particular way of playing and he has to choose players that suit his style of football. Obviously, Harry Maguire doesn't really fit the bill compared to what he's brought in in Martinez. And, and Rafael Varane is there as well. Those two are his number one choice. And Harry Maguire's had to do, deal with that throughout the season. I think it would have been really difficult for him to deal with that, being... England player, fantastically, playing fantastically well for England, coming back as a captain of May United and then all of a sudden being out as a substitute. That could, must have been mentally very hard to deal with. I think the starters are Martinez and Varane. They're the starters because that's what we've seen when they're fit, they play together. So he's going to, if he's going to stay at May United, he will be a sub. That's the big question you've got to ask yourself for him. It doesn't bother me if he stays or goes because he, he's, he's someone, if, you, if there's an injury to one of those guys, even then I don't know if he plays. There's a Lindelof that plays before him, I'm not sure. So it's all about Harry Maguire. Well, if he wants to stay and be a squad player, I think he'll do that. But if he wants to go and play games and, and, and do things as an individual and, and think about himself over anything else, then he'll look for a new, a new, uh, a new job somewhere else.
0: What should be Manchester United's ambition in the new season?
1: I think Man United have to look to improve again on this on this season. I think uh, you asked me for five things they need to improve. I think consistency is gonna be key and maintaining confidence throughout the season. There's gonna be blips, but you've got to be able to them blips can't last long if you're gonna be challenging. They've got to push the 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 champions closer. They've got to push them harder and they've got to be closer. And I think a trophy again this season will be good and that's a must. Um, whatever trophy that is, I don't know. Um, but you'd like to see them to improve from the uh, the one that they got last season. So an FA Cup maybe, a European Champions League, maybe.
0: Maybe, but highly unlikely. But we can all dream the dream. That's what all Manchester United fans will be doing, especially over this summer, as we look to improve On the squad that last season finished third in the Premier League, won the EFL Cup, finished runner-up in the FA Cup final and somehow managed to get ourselves eliminated from the Europa League quarter-final after managing to knock out Barcelona, who were undoubtedly the favourites to win the competition after dropping down from the Champions League. But overall, I would consider that a successful season. And we are here to talk about who may come in and who may go out of Manchester United in this window with two signings already over the line. We'll talk about those in a second. You are, of course, listening to BetMUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the BetMUFC Twitter account at BetMUFC. That's at BetMUFC. We've already posted a tweet out over the summer moaning about the ticket policy at Manchester United, the usual moaning, the usual moaning about the Glaziers. The takeover still hasn't been done. We're not going to talk about that too much here on this show. We're going to save some of that for the actual season preview for Manchester United heading into the new season. We're primarily here to talk about transfers.
2: Mr. Glazer, why is now the right time to sell Manchester United? Hi, well,
1: as we announced yesterday, the board went through a process and it's decided it's going to look at different strategic alternatives and that's what we're doing.
2: So, United fans say that you should have sold the club years ago well once again we've gone through a process we're
1: going to look at all different all strategic alternatives and we'll see where that leads us so i appreciate you talking to me tonight and i'm going to wish everyone a happy thanksgiving
2: yeah, Cristian- Cristiano Thank ronaldo you. says that you don't care about the club and thousands of united fans agree with him why why should they be wrong
1: well i'll tell you about Cristiano ronaldo he's a great manchester united player i appreciate everything he's done for the club and i wish him the best luck in the future
2: thanks very why much why did I he have to leave it. the club why did he have to leave the club
0: Yeah, we'll talk more about that on a future episode. We'll talk about the cancers that are the Glazers who will not fuck off and just sell the club. Just listening and watching that clip alone made me want to absolutely smash my laptop, just punch a hole through it. So that's going to be a very um, interesting show to do when we do touch on that subject. Hopefully, and I say this again because I've said it so many times, hopefully, Something does happen in the next few weeks so that that show can be a more positive one. And we are talking about the sale of Manchester United, but it's probably going to be too late to bring in the big names that we want. So far, we have only secured the signings of Unana and Mount. We'll be talking about both of those shortly. Before we do that, let me let you know that you can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter as well at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. The Sports Gambling Podcast Network are at the. SGP network that's at the SGP network and finally you can follow me at my other twitter account where I talk about all sports that is of course at lockbet.com that's at lockbet.com on that twitter account the pinned tweet will always be the PNL my PNL from the previous month because I am a transparent and tracked handicapper and at the moment you can look at the month of June which has replaced the month of May the month of May was the 120th month in a row of transbank track profit which means i've been undefeated for a decade 120 months without a single losing month, 120 consecutive winning months. That was the month of May and the month of June represents the 121st month. So just because the month of June is a ping tweet doesn't mean the rest of the spreadsheets disappear into an oblivion. As I said, I'm historically transparent and tracked and you can see all of my other spreadsheets over at lockbetting.com. Once you do that, due diligence and do that research, which I encourage you to do. You may want to then sign up for a package for the new C. Season. Also, before we start talking about United's transfers, let me give another shout out here to Circus Sports because Circa Millions and Circus Survivor are back with 14 million in guaranteed prizes up for grabs. Circa Millions, Centers around picking five NFL picks against the spread each week, and Circus Survivor means you just have to pick a different moneyline winner each week. You enter in Vegas, but you play from anywhere. And the Sports Gambling Podcast guys will be out there for the last weekend in August to so make sure you hook up with the guys. So head over to Circusports.com for all the details. That's Circus spelt C I. I spell it wrong. C I. Sports.com. Um, I've given my picks for Survivor Millions on every show, but I'm going to continue to do so until we um, are no longer promoting this. And that is simply to take the Chiefs in both of these competitions, the Kansas City Chiefs. There is a trend for the Super Bowl team winning the Opener at home on their own turf. That was undone last year by the Rams, but they were given a difficult assignment where they actually entered as two-point underdogs at home to the Buffalo Bills, who were the stronger team. Actually ended up being a much stronger team because the Rams were very, very poor last year, very poor defence of the Super Bowl but that's never going to be the case with the Chiefs, with Patrick Mahomes there. They're going to be contenders for the next decade, in my opinion, with that quarterback. And I see them playing in a whole load of AFC Championship games. And I think their season starts with a win. The are going to be improved, but they are going to lose at Arrowhead. And I also think the Chiefs will cover the six-point spread as well.
2: Finally. Jasper, Manchester United have their man. They have signed the Inter Milan goalkeeper, Andre Onana, for €55 million. It's €51 million initial payment, €4 million in performance-related add-ons. He signed a five-year contract at Old Trafford to take him up to 2028. And there is the option for a further year until 2029. Make no mistake about it, this was Manchester United's first choice. This was a deal that was driven and pushed by their manager, Eric Ten Hag. He, of course, Anana has played under Eric Ten Hag at Ajax. They've been pursuing him ever since the saga with David De Gea will he stay will he not stay once De Gea had left this was the number one choice and Manchester United have finally got their man Andre Onana is finally a Manchester United player
3: yeah big big deal Damesh and big money as you mentioned as well this is what Onana has had to say ahead of joining Manchester United he says to join Manchester United is an incredible honour and I've worked hard all my life to get to this moment overcoming many obstacles along the way walking out at Old Trafford to defend our goal and contribute to the team will be another amazing experience This is the start of a new journey for me, with new teammates and new ambitions to fight for. Manchester United has a long history of incredible goalkeepers, and I will now give everything to create my own legacy in the coming years. I'm excited by the opportunity to work again with Eric Ten Hag, and I can't wait to play my part in the success. I know he is determined to deliver at this great moment football club. Those are the words of Andre Onana as he signs for Manchester United. We've got some more quotes as well, Alison.
4: Yeah, we certainly have. Uh, John Murtagh, Manchester United's director of football, has said the following. Andre was our top choice to become the new goalkeeper for Manchester United with exactly the right profile of technical attributes and personality. Having achieved success throughout his career, we know that Andre will further add to the winning mentality we're building within our squad. He's already one of the world's best goalkeepers at the age of 27, and we further... I firmly believe that he can develop even further over the coming years. That's the football director, John Murtagh.
3: Yeah, Darmus, you've been across this uh, deal since the start of the window and it's gone on for uh, a pretty long time. Uh, so you're probably quite relieved at this point. But uh, in terms of the, the deal itself, what, what do we know? Yeah, look, I, I
2: think Manchester United had an issue with the goalkeepers. Uh, at the end of the season, we knew that David De Gea was out of contract. Manchester United didn't trigger that one-year option that they had on David De Gea's contract, but they kept dialogue open between the club and David De Gea to find out if they could come to an agreement on a new contract that was going to probably be worth a lot less than what his current contract was on. But we were also told at one point that his future at United was in the balance and that was on both sides. Manchester United were looking at options. David De Gea was looking at all of his options as well and once it became clear that they were going to go their separate ways and there was not going to be a new contract, United were doing due diligence on a lot of goalkeepers long before, you know, David De Gea had made this decision because it was probably decided that That was one of the primary focuses for the summer transfer window. And look, John Murta said it there. He was the number one choice, Andre Onana, from minute one, I think. Mm. Eric Ten Hag was driving this deal. He was really pushing for it. He knows exactly what um, Andre Onana can bring. Onana has played under um, Eric Ten Hag at Ajax before. And and once he, he believed that this deal could be done... I think Manchester United just went full pelt and tried to get it done. And it's taken a little while. I think Inter Milan were after around €60 million. That was going to be their starting price with regard to the negotiations. Manchester United wanted to pay a lot less than that. A couple of bids went in and were rejected. And in the end, they they settled on that compromise of around 55 million euros, which is a 51 million euro initial payment. All in, it's around 47.2 million pounds. But I think for a 27-year-old goalkeeper,
4: Mm.
2: and given it's their number one choice and given the qualities he'll bring, Manchester United will feel this is good business.
0: It certainly is good business. How very unlike Man United just to go all out, don't mess around, pay the price, get the business done and actually have this player along with Mason Mount available for the summer tour. I think if you're a long-term Manchester United supporter, that alone is a bonus. The fact that these players are getting a preseason and they don't join us two or three games into the season. They're not desperate buyers. They are targets that we have identified and bought. And it's really irrelevant if you agree or disagree with the signings. I'm not fully understanding of the Mason Mount signing, but at the end of the day, I'm not Eric Ten Hag. I bow down to Eric Ten Hag's greater wisdom and look at what he did last season and look at what he's done with Ajax and believe in the project and believe in the manager. So whereas Mason Mount certainly wasn't on my list, and I don't see this as being somebody that we needed to bring in with what is said to be limited money of around about £150 million for this window, which again is down to the glazers, because we should be spending a lot more to actually challenge Manchester City. I did identify Unana and Harry Kane as the two players that I wanted to at least make us challengers for the title because we badly needed a new goalkeeper and we needed a number nine. At the moment, we have not... Sign that number nine, but instead we've dropped £55 million on Mason Mount, who we'll talk more about later, and we have not bought in that number nine. But we have, I think, solved our goalkeeping problem. David De Gea was a goalkeeper from the past. He was a great shot stopper, but he never developed with his feet. And that is what you need with a modern day goalkeeper. Now, I understand there are some videos and some clips put together saying that we've lost something in the shot stopping department. Obviously, it's easy to put those clips together and find a showreel of mistakes that Anana has made over the course of two, or three seasons, two to three seasons. But he was excellent in the Champions League campaign. He was excellent in the Champions League final. He earned his way into the number one position at Inter Milan. Eric Ten Hag already knows him. And I think I'm willing to concede that with most goalkeepers in the world, you are going to lose some, uh, some of that shot-stopping capacity because David De Gea was very good at that. He also made a lot of mistakes. He's also the reason why we didn't win the Europa League last season. He also made two mistakes in the FA Cup final. So for all of the goals that he stops, he also makes key mistakes, particularly in big games. And he's probably not seen as a big game player, which is why Spain don't let him anywhere near their World Cup team. He's not the first choice for, for Spain. He's about sixth or seventh choice. Therefore, he shouldn't be anywhere near the first choice for Manchester United. It's all about standards. And Onana, I think, is up to those standards. And he gives us something else in terms of having that ability to play with his feet. As I said, David De Gea was a goalkeeper from the past. Onana certainly isn't. Onana is capable of playing with his feet. He's capable of starting attacks from the back. And that gives Manchester United something different where we're not relying on our centre-backs to bring the ball forward because our goalkeeper isn't capable of playing with his feet that's certainly something that puts us behind the the other clubs and in this more forward front foot way of thinking the way football is played nowadays Manchester United were left behind with their goalkeeper when you look at the likes of um Edison and Allison and even Aaron Ramsdale being more capable of being able to play with his feet. Manchester United needed to enter the modern era, and Unana brings us into that modern era. And I don't think we're as losing. We're losing as much. As those little Twitter clips tell you in terms of a shot stopper, I think he's a solid shot stopper. Otherwise, Eric Ten Hag wouldn't be signing him. I don't like the fact that we are signing so many players from his old Ajax team. But at the end of the day, when it comes to this particular department, in the goalkeeping department, Eric Ten Hag knows what he's doing. He's got it right with Lissandro Martinez, a player he's worked with before. And the jury still remains out on Anthony I think Anthony was treated harshly for his first season. He had better statistics than Jack Grealish, and Jack Grealish is lauded as having this excellent season, his excellent second season where he transformed and totally fitted into a Manchester City shirt. Well, the statistics don't tell you that. The statistics tell you that the guy scored five goals from a wing position and Anthony scored more than him. So I'm not willing to call Anthony a failure whatsoever, especially if the standards set by Jack Grealish mean that Jack Grealish had an excellent season when he scored less goals than Anthony and even less goals than Jadon Sancho, who's considered a a mega flop. But this is just the biased media when it comes to players like Jack Grealish, who's loved by the media Every time he takes a shit or a fart, it's a news story. It's a positive news story. Nobody farts and shits like Jack Grealish, and and that's how he's covered in the media. He recently got a lot of positive publicity for donating five thousand pounds to an old Aston Villa support, an Aston Villa supporter who had leukaemia, his old club. But um, what's five thousand pounds to Jack Grealish is what I would say. Obviously, I'm not shitting on the. On the on the gesture, but at the end of the day, there is a certain way that certain players are covered by the media, and there's a certain way that other players are covered by the media. If, for example, Bruno Fernandez was an England player and he had the season that he had last season, they would be absolutely raving about him. He would be called world class without a second breath, who'd be looked at as the future of English football, the new Paul Gascoigne. But because it's Bruno Fernandes, it was just seen as what is expected of Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes had an excellent season. He was very, very underrated. He wasn't featured in many of people's Premier, League's, Premier League team of the seasons. And that, again, is led by media narrative. I think a lot of people making those teams, I don't think they watch a whole load of football. I certainly don't think they watch as many games as I do when the football season starts. I'm obsessively getting in front of the TV and watching every time a ball is kicked live because obviously it's part of my job as somebody who runs lock betting but at the same time I enjoy doing it I enjoy watching I enjoy going to games I think that gives me a valid opinion not just an opinion that is led by what the media tell me to think and that's very commonplace when you're looking at people having football discussions on social media at the moment in the modern day so um, Andre Anana, a good signing for me let's move on to having a discussion about Mason Mount.
4: Mason Mount has signed from Chelsea that fee uh, £60 million. He's uh, signed a contract until June 2028, we're hearing, with the option of a further year. The 24-year-old midfielder has made 279 club appearances, scoring 58 goals and Contributing 53 assists, the Champions League winner was Chelsea's Player of the Year for both the 2021 and 2021-22 seasons. He has 36 caps for England, played a key role in his country's run to the European Championship final in 2021. Our man has said this about the move, it's never easy leaving the club where you grew up. But Manchester United will provide an exciting new challenge for the next phase of my career. Having competed against them, I know just how strong a squad it is that I'm joining and I can't wait to be a part of this group's drive to win major trophies. Everyone can see that the club has made big step forwards under Eric Ten Hag. Having met the manager and discussed his plans, I couldn't be more excited for the seasons ahead and I'm ready for the hard work expected here. I'm hugely ambitious. I know how amazing it feels to win major trophies and what it takes to do it. I'll be giving everything to experience that again at Manchester United. Well, Manchester United football director John Murto has also been speaking about the deal, saying Mason is an extremely intelligent footballer and has so many fantastic technical qualities that will significantly add to our squad. We have admired his talents for a long time, so we're delighted that he has chosen to take the next steps in his career here at Old Trafford. His style of play and attributes are a perfect fit for this squad, and we all believe that he will only improve further working with Eric Ten Hag and his coaching staff. Mason himself is a world-class player, but he also has the ability to improve the players around him through his game intelligence and tactical awareness. We are particularly impressed by his strong desire to join United and his thirst for further success as we push to drive up our performance levels next season and beyond. So... What we know about the deal is that it's £55 million guaranteed, an extra £5 million dependent on major trophies and appearances uh, over several years. We're told Mount was Eric Ten Hag's number one choice for strengthening he, his midfield, and the football director, John Murtaugh, led those negotiations. He stood firm on that £55 million, pounds, and United got the deal done despite interest from Arsenal and Liverpool. Well, this is how Mount said his goodbyes to Chelsea on social media, bringing an end to his 18-year association with Chelsea. Given the speculation over the last six months, this may not come as a surprise to you, but it doesn't make it any easier to tell you that I've made the decision to leave Chelsea. I feel we deserve more than just a written statement So I wanted to tell you directly how grateful I've been for all of your support over the last 18 years.
0: So there we have it, Mason Mount signing for Manchester United. An underwhelming signing for me initially, at least, before I my due diligence and started to look into it a little bit deeper. Before I go into that, let me quickly tell you guys about Underdog Fantasy. We are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Best Ball Mania 4 is here with Underdog Fantasy giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favourite MLB and NFL season player props. So many ways to win over on Underdog, and Underdog is available in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com and your promo code SGPN. So as I stated, I was at least initially somewhat underwhelmed by the signing of Mason Mount. I still do not feel is a priority a priority signing, but looking deeper into it, I do now understand the signing. I do understand how it makes us better as a team. Now, initially, my thought was, we've got Casemiro. He's an automatic in the holding midfield position. Our attacking midfielder is automatically going to be Bruno Fernandes, even with Donny van der Beek in the team, or in the squad, rather, a former Eric Ten Hag player who was at his best under Eric Ten Hag at Ajax. He's still not going to get a chance with um, with Bruno Fernandes occupying that position. And even Palistri who is supposed to be a top-class player, he already plays for his national team. Even he primarily plays in that position as well. So we are loaded in the attacking midfield position. Christian Eriksen is also supposed to be in that position, but he plays slightly deeper. So we have an attacking midfielder in Bruno. We have a central midfield player in Christian Eriksen who can go forward and sit deep. And we have Casemiro, carrying out the the dirty, the dirty jobs in terms of protecting the defence and then being our ball carrier. If there was one player who I think would have been a good addition to the midfield, it would be Frankie de Jong because that would free up Casemiro to help the defence and to sit back and play more of a quarterback role where he could spread the passes and f- primarily use Frankie de Jong as the ball carrier. Now, Frankie de Jong for me was more of an essential signing, funnily enough, when David De Gea was the goalkeeper because David De Gea wasn't going to start any attacks or anything. So we needed to bring the ball forward, utilising that Ajax combination of Lissandro Martinez as a centre-back and then Frankie de Jong dropping in and picking up the ball with his insane ability to bring the ball forward very quickly 40 50 yards and advancing the tack at pace nobody quite does that like Frankie de Jong so that's the midfield player that I was looking for more of a ball carrier Mason Mount though gives us something very different to Christian Eriksen. I think if you look at the Manchester United lineup, you would think that the midfield would be Bruno, Eriksen and Casemiro with cover provided by Fred and McTominay. That's how I looked at things. Now, with Mason Mount coming in, we'd probably be looking to get rid of one of those with Christian Eriksen now dropping into the backup role and Mason Mount coming in as a starter. The key difference between Mount and Eriksen is the fact that Ericsson is obviously older. He's not one for the future. And the fact that Ericsson is in the bottom 1% of midfield players who win possession back in the opponent's half. So once we lose possession and we want our midfielder to win it back, Christian Ericsson is in the bottom 1% of retrieving positions for midfielders. Mason Mount is in the top 2%. So we've gone from Christian Eriksen, who isn't very good at winning the ball back in that um, in that central midfield position, to Mason Mount, who is excellent in the top 2% at winning the ball back. And this is going to be very important in terms of Manchester United being on the attack, losing possession, and then suddenly being, a, being in a position where we are defending. And if Christian Eriksen is the man who's trying to stop that, 99% of the time, it will transition from a Manchester United attack to an opponent's attack. With Mason Mount in the side that changes dramatically because it allows Manchester United to be tackled or intercepted or play a wayward pass and then you have Mason Mount with his positional awareness being able to pick the ball straight back up for Manchester United and to restart that attack again without having to pick up the ball in our own half or in that third of the pitch. So that is crucial in terms of Manchester United sustaining attacks and not having them break down with the loss of possession and having Christian Eriksen attempting to win the ball back and being in the bottom 1% of being able to do that, whilst Mason Mount is in the top 2%. And for me, aside from age and having a lot more longevity, and Eric Ten Hag is obviously going to try to lower the age of this squad overall, That is why Mason Mount is an improvement on Christian Eriksen and probably the main reason why he's been signed. So that gives me a greater understanding of the signing. Again, with the midfielders we have, I did not see it as a priority signing. Obviously, Frankie Dion coming in, that gives you something completely different. That's a world-class player. I don't think Mason Mount is a world-class player. Not yet. Perhaps I haven't seen enough of him. Perhaps my opinion is swayed by the fact that he was... um, mainly out of the Chelsea team last season and didn't have a great season, although still provided more goals per game, a better a better ratio than Christian Eriksen when he was hardly playing. So again, an improvement on a player who's considered to be, or was considered to be an automatic starter last season. So we have undoubtedly improved the squad in terms in term of age, in terms of ability, with what Eric Ten Hag wants to do in terms of how he wants to play, which is obviously not not losing possession and being instantly on the defensive. Mason Mount stops that. So again, it is an improvement. He's not a world-class player yet, in my opinion. It's not the type of signing I would expect Manchester United to buy. I thought it was okay at around about £40 million, getting him on the final year of his contract and adding to, adding to the squad and perhaps still looking at a Frankie de Jong. And perhaps we'll do that next year when we do have more money. But at the moment, he is a decent addition. I do think 55 million for a final year is too much. I would rather have used 55 million towards Harry Kane because I think we could have tempted Tottenham with a 100 million pound offer. And I think the difference between Bayern Munich maybe getting Kane for 80 and Man United needing to pay 100 is that Premier League premium. Daniel Levy doesn't want to sell to a Premier League team. And that's why when you're looking at the likes of Manchester United and maybe even Chelsea, we would, despite being his final year of the contract, have to pay that 100 million whilst Bayern Munich could probably get him for 80, 85 million instead because it means he's out of the Premier League and Daniel Levy doesn't have to take that heat from selling to a rival. That's probably why I've missed out on Harry Kane and that's still an option for next season because if, again, we're in the same situation where we're run by these parasite cancers, the Glazer Glazers and Manchester United still have a 150 million budget for the summer, that's a very, very different amount of money when you can sign Harry Kane on a free and you can use 80, 90 million of that towards Frankie de Jong. And then you have 60 million lying around just simply to bolster your squad. So you can then spend 30 million pound on fullback cover, maybe 30 million pound on centre back cover. Perhaps Harry Maguire does go maybe in the January window or next summer because I don't think he's going to go this summer. And that's another 25, 30 million that you can bring in as well. I do expect, or I did expect Manchester United to sell more players in this window to make room for players players to come in we're still we're still only um we're still only at the point where we've spent Around about 100 million so far on Mount Nana, So we still do have 50 million to spend. That looks like it's going to be spent on Rasmus Hoyland. That's not a striker who I think is going to immediately come into the team. He's certainly someone with a bright future. I'm not sure that he's currently worth 50 million at the moment, although Atalanta looking more, more so at 70, 80 million for the striker. And perhaps that's more so led by their own situation. The fact that they have only been left with three strikers, with Zapata on his way out, and if Hoyland goes, that's going to leave them with two strikers. I think the way to get this deal over the line and what's been rumoured is us perhaps taking some heat off ourselves and just loaning Mason Greenwood to Atlanta because I don't think we want to sell him because for me, Mason Greenwood is one of the hottest young talents in the world and I understand obviously playing him now and or even bringing him back ever brings a lot of heat to the club but this is a player who I think can justify that heat and can be a top level talent he has all the tools to be an incredible player so I think by loading him to Atlanta for a season if he can go to Serie A and bang in 15-20 goals and and we can bring him back next season where the the court case and everything like that the heat from that will be reduced Uh, in terms of bringing Mount back with less negative publicity. Obviously, there's still going to be an element of negative publicity. I'm not delusional enough to think that it will absolutely go away, but I think it will certainly be lessened by him having a loan period at Atalanta. And then for Manchester United fans, it will become a lot more understandable bringing him back if he is to bang in 20 goals in Italy. Whilst in the meantime, we'll have Hoyland, and we can use Hoyland for games here and there, using for the EFL Cup, the FA Cup, and just integrate him into the team slowly the way we're doing with Gennacho But the future looks very bright when you have the likes of uh, Rashford, Hoyland, Gennacho, even Mason Greenwood if he comes back as your front line at Manchester United. I think that's a scary prospect for the future. But I don't think it's going to turn us into title contenders this season. The signing of Harry Kane does... But I think ultimately, if I'm being realistic, from the business that Manchester United have done so far and from the potential business it looks like we're going to do, then I think that finishing third, posing more of a title threat, getting closer to that top two and perhaps winning another trophy would be a decent season for Manchester United. Perhaps we can slightly upgrade and and, and win the FA Cup instead of the EFL Cup. But honestly, at this point, I would take just winning any trophy again and another third place finish because that would bring the consistency to Manchester United that we haven't had for a while. And then make a serious title challenge next season when we can get that number nine who can immediately come into the team. In an ideal situation, Ganacho would have an incredible season and he'll get more game time. Hoyland will hit the ground running. Mason Greenwood will score 20-25 goals in Italy and then we will be ready for that title push without even needing a Harry Kane to come in. That's the ideal situation for Manchester United. But obviously, on the other side of that, the flip side of that, is the fact that some of your key players at the moment that are, that are key members of the Manchester United First eleven, when you're looking at Varane, Fernandes and Casemiro, for example, they're not getting any younger. I don't think you can put Marcus Rashford into that category at the moment. But Varane and Casemiro, they're two players who have won everything elsewhere with Real Madrid. They've come here to to win things. I don't think they want to sit around lifting EFL Cups and having third place finishes in the Premier League. So the clock is ticking. Otherwise, we could be in a situation where, yes, we do have some great young players for the future, but suddenly we haven't won anything. We do find ourselves needing to replace our forever presence when you're looking at the likes of Casemiro and Varane and perhaps even Bruno Fernandes as if this drought for not this drought drought with not winning the league drags on long enough. So that's your transfer update here for Bet MEFC. I will be back with, a, with another one of these shows closer to the season, and then I will drop the season preview. On the next episode, I do want to talk about the, the Glazers takeover and why that only allows us to buy certain players. And I also want to talk about the players that we want to get out and how I think Manchester United will start the season with the players that we've bought in, in terms of what the lineup would be and how we can rotate that and what potentially that means we can do in various competitions next season obviously I can tell you now I don't think off the bat that we are going to be title contenders but again last season Arsenal were title contenders and I do think Man United have a better squad than Arsenal did when they challenged for the league last season and um, I also don't expect us to win the Champions League but again Inter Milan got to the Champions League final last season so if the draw opens up you just never know what's going to happen but we'll talk all about that on the next episode Don't forget, there's going to be additional content coming out from me over the next four or five days. As I said, when I did the Serie A wrap-up show, which which also talked about the signing of Christian Pulisic, there's going to be pretty much non-stop content now until the start of the season. We have an episode of The Fight Show dropping later on covering UFC London. Obviously feel obligated to cover the UFC this week and usually only cover the, the number cards. But uh, we are going to cover this edition because it is dropping in, in my hometown, London. So I will be going to watch that tomorrow. So I'll be dropping a podcast for that. We'll also have a transfer edition of the EPL show. We're also going to have a Fantasy Premier League edition of the EPL show because obviously Fantasy Premier League has dropped. I'll be looking at the pricing and some tips in terms of how you can build your squad And also looking ahead, there's going to be another edition of the fight show looking at the biggest fight of the year as finally Terence Crawford and Errol Spence will step into the ring. And of course, there'll be continued coverage of the Women's World Cup. So until then, good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And thanks for listening.